When uh, in Byron Bay on New Year's Eve last year, I was at a waterfall and the local news crew happened to come over and I was like, oh, here we go, I'll get Foxy. And I talked to them for like three minutes yeah. and the best thing I said, which they use on the news, was, oh, it's coming down like heaps. <laughs> I was just like, after having done a million Voxies in the past where the person just has no idea what they're doing, and then I got the chance and I just absolutely <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious though, because I put it on the news and my girlfriend still says like, oh yeah, it's coming down like heat. <laughs> Welcome to Legends with Bevo. Thanks to Anytime Fitness Glenel. Cal McPherson, the host of Young Blood Men's Health Matters and former Channel 7 news reporter. Great to have you on the show, mate. What an absolute privilege. It's an honour to be here, Bevo. Thanks for having me on, man. Um, let's talk about your own journey, Cal, because you started off... Um, at Channel 7 in Adelaide, but before that you are in Townsville, you spent a bit of time in Port Lincoln and, yeah. and also in Port Pirie as well, and yeah. then you made the big big decision to want to start your own podcast. Um, I guess uh, talk to us through your journey and, and some of the interesting things that you got up to when you are you know, in those regional towns and, yeah. and also with Channel 7 in Adelaide, and then I guess uh, what made you decide to make that big call to go into podcasting? Yeah, so I uh, did journalism at uni. And that whole time I was at uni, I volunteered at Fresh 92.7, the radio station. Uh, so I used to read the news a couple of mornings a week there and got the opportunity while I was there to start doing my own stories as well. Um, so just anything you wanted to do on Adelaide, uh, happening in Adelaide. And that was called Wavelength. And I really loved that. That was the first time that I realized that I wanted to tell stories. And that's what I'm really interested in. You know, I was a kid who was good at English at school. Both my parents are English teachers didn't want to be a teacher. Um, so I've seen that a lot, actually. There's a lot of uh, journalists that have uh, parents who are teachers and then decide to use those skills for, for some other reason. But I think- yep, um, I can vouch for that. Both my yeah, parents yeah. were teachers too. Yeah, so. yeah. There's a lot of that. Um, so yeah, I was working at the radio station um, and that sort of started to get me really interested in, in, in telling those stories. Um, but I pretty much went my whole way through my degree without being set on being a TV reporter or, or going and um, getting into news. Uh, it's just one of those things that sort of happened. I think you can only ever take the step in front of you um, and you never know what something's going to lead to. So doing that work at Fresh, I ended up getting a, an internship week at uh, Port Piri, uh, went there. And then at the end of that week, the Port Lincoln journalist quit. So I ended up going and, and before I knew it, I'd moved to Port Lincoln, moved out of home for the first time at 22, moved, ta moved town, uh, started my first job and I was living in a shack on a hill with no <laughs> no uh, utilities after having a, a fairly comfortable life getting uh, cooked for by mum for that, all that time. So uh, that was a bit of a bit of a wake up call. Um, but yeah, you, you really grow by being thrust into those sorts of situations where you sort of sink or swim and if you leave home or go um go into state or somewhere else you you don't really want to come back with your tail between your legs sort of saying that you couldn't make it happen so um yeah i, I had to find out like a lot about myself and a, a lot about the job as well because uh they kind of get you when you have no idea just how much you don't know uh and just how much work that job's going to be but you don't really have anything to to weigh it up against so um you don't know until you start and and then later on you look back and realize like, man, I was doing, doing serious work back then. <laughs> um, so I was a video journalist in Port Lincoln. So that meant that I was the cameraman, the producer, the reporter, the editor, and I had to come up with two stories a day, which in a town of, um, 
15,000 people uh, isn't that, it wasn't that easy sometimes. Uh, and it's a, it's a fishing town. So I pretty much, when I couldn't think of something, I'd say, all right, what was the last time I did a tuna story? Or what was the last time I did a king, kingfish story? Or like a, an oyster story? So I'd just like shuffle through those a lot of the time. Um, but no matter what, you had to come up with something. And it was just me, like I had no colleagues uh, and you have to fill the bulletin and come up with that content every day. So there was a, there was a lot of pressure there to just make stuff happen, uh, which was really tough, but it also is good for um, what it teaches you and transferable skills going forward that, you know, it's not like, oh, well, we we'll, didn't work out today. We'll just do it tomorrow. It's like, you have to do it or the world's going to end is sort of <laughs> how it felt a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, I was there for, uh, about nine months in Port Lincoln and then I got a job in Townsville, um, for seven Queensland Townsville. So I was there for a year and a half, uh, and that was better cause it was a team. Um, but there was only about four, four or five of us, um, yeah, or probably six or seven, including cameramen, but we had like one camera a day, had to fill the half hour news bulletin, uh, three news reporters who were all under 25, including the boss of the newsroom uh, and, a, and a sport reporter who was a bit older. Um, and that was awesome. Like I, I really got a heap amount out of being there, but it was, um, it was pretty tough as well. It's pretty bizarre living in North Queensland compared to Adelaide. It's kind of, it felt like being on the set of Crocodile Dundee, but, <laughs> but everyone else was like oblivious or, or thought that that was, that was normal. Uh, and it sort of looks like you're in the Cretaceous period of dinosaurs as well when you're there. So it's pretty interesting. And the humidity is crazy. It's like 90% humidity every day. So I'd be ironing my, um, shirt with my suit pants on and by the time i finished my would have sweated through my pants um so when i got there in february when it was at its hottest and sort of experienced that straight away and thought like yeah it's going to be a bit of a tough stint in that regard and everyone's obviously walking around in um tank tops and, and thongs and stuff and you still have to get around in a suit looking oh like that's rough this. yeah so that was, that was that was pretty brutal um but yeah very interesting place i think the thing that i really cherished about that was being fortunate to be there at a time where there was lots of other really good people. So it was a really tough situation, a difficult job. But I think wherever you are, if you've got that sense of community and you meet, you're lucky enough to meet good people, work with good people, it really like makes the experience. And then you sort of look back fondly on how good it was and kind of remember the times that you don't remember the times that were, that were so, so tough. But um, yeah, got a huge amount of that experience as well. So those few years, um, happened pretty fast and I had to learn and th think on my feet and make a lot of stuff happen. And, uh, yeah. And then eventually came back to Adelaide after that. Yeah. yeah and then you, you, you sort of did that role for a while and we've spoken about this a number of times off air, but you sort of got to a stage where you just couldn't deal with, um, the pressure and going to see car crashes and fires and stabbings and all that sort of thing. So yeah. you decided to, to start your own podcast and, you know, yeah. that's a, that's a big call though. You've gone through all these tough years of, um, you know, in the country and being isolated to being a dream job and then decide to be a podcaster. Big, big call, cow. Yeah. Well, um, I think when you first start out uh, in your career, uh, you can't know how you feel about doing a job until you start doing it. So, um, and, and a big part of it initially is you're just trying to prove to yourself and others that you, that you can do it. Uh, and then after a long enough time when you know you can you start to ask yourself you know whether you want to or not or whether you believe in in what it is uh, and the fact is that with with commercial news um it's totally geared towards focusing on on the negative just because that's what gets views and and that's um that's what people 
want to watch uh, a lot of the time uh, because of the way we're wired as human beings. We're meant to uh, look out for threats. So yeah, every day it's pretty much go and go and find the most negative thing that's happening wherever you live and focus on it uh, really hard. And, and often there'll be people there obviously who are distressed, whether someone's been assaulted or a house has burned down or there's been an accident. You know, you never, like the cops, you're never really going anywhere nice a lot of the time. And um, you're sort of kind of like emergency services, although nowhere near as, as great as the work that they do and, and also having to be first responders it's not to that level but um you do sort of become desensitized to it and sort of block it out because you've got to you've got to go and do that that job every day but um yeah you're in sort of semi-dangerous situations a lot of the time and you're having to push people and um get stuff out of people who might be distressed or might be having the worst day of their life and you can still do the job uh with with compassion and integrity which a lot of people do um but yeah it's 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 very intense and it definitely does rub off on you over time and, and i noticed that it, it really started to put me on edge in the rest of my life and um you spend all day wherever the worst thing is that happened um and you start to think that that's actually normal or that that's that's happening all around you um and it's really not but obviously you're getting sent out to that all the time so uh yeah and i, and I felt like eventually after after four years of doing it and and mostly doing overnight crime for the the two years that i was in adelaide which was getting up early in the morning going to whoever got stabbed finding the people who who saw it or knew about it um and then trying to drum a story up out of it um after after doing that for so long, I just felt like um, it was starting to change me a bit as a person. In a, in a becoming a bit jaded in the way that I, I viewed the world and, and looked at people, and uh, felt like I was becoming a lot more negative as well. I think that's sort of inevitable if you if you become whatever your environment is to an extent. And I didn't feel like that was me. Sort of was was bringing me down a bit. So I wanted to find a way to tell stories because I love telling stories and um, talking to people. But I, I wanted to tell stories uh, mostly positive stories and, and stories that have a, a different kind of an impact um and then yeah it was it was the the tragedy of, of my friend passing away that um spurred me to start up uh the podcast and then that was happening in the background while i was still working for the best part of a year but yeah and then when covid happened i actually decided to give the, the news away uh, and actually went on Centrelink for a few months with no, with no job and was still at this time um, paying a huge amount of my money to be able to keep the podcast going because, as you know, Bevo, it's not, not cheap. Not, it's yeah. not cheap. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was, I was paying for that and no sort of job lined up uh, but just really love doing the podcast and um, running Young Blood and felt like something was going to come, come of it um, and just – wanted to fully commit to it uh so yeah took took that jump with some some help from family and friends and girlfriends who's very supportive and yeah it was you know a few uncomfortable months there of, of saying you know no one's paying for this podcast and you don't have a job what are you going to do uh and me not really knowing but i suppose that's when you find out if you're really passionate or not and as as you certainly have i think it's one thing to say i'm passionate about something i want to do something uh but it's another thing when 
you know, you're having to invest a lot of your money and it's starting to become quite uncomfortable um, and it would be so much easier to, to give it away and the initial motivations worn off. Uh, I think that's when most people quit, if not before. Um, but I wasn't going to do that because it just it means enough to me. So um, from there, ended up getting some sponsors for the podcast, which is, which is really good and it's a consistent battle to keep that going um, and getting more and more people to, to support it and hear it and, and see the benefit in it and become want to be part of it uh, is really important and makes a massive difference in that respect um, and then I now work at SAMRI the SA Health and Medical Research Institute um, as their one of their storytellers so basically telling those positive stories about medical breakthroughs and and speaking to researchers and and getting those kinds of yarns out into the public which i love doing so uh it, it, wonderful it, it ended up being the best decision i could have made but um yeah taking those sort of leaps of faith uh, they're called leaps of faith for a reason because you gotta you gotta have faith and it. it's a bit scary yeah i can totally relate to that cow and um, absolutely well done to you and and you spoke about it before you do have to have a passion for it and yeah i've spent thousands of dollars on mine and and my friends have gone you know is this really worth it when are you going to start making dollars and i've had a I'm lucky like you to have a really supportive or now wife, not girlfriend. Um, but it's, it's it, you know, if I didn't have her to support me and stuff like that, then, um, you know, I don't know, I probably wouldn't be able to do it because there was times there where I was also on Centrelink and not working and founding it so hard to find work and, um, you know, end up having to do new modelling and stuff to pay the bills. <laughs> you <laughs> got to no, pay the bill somehow. I never want to never see that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay the bill somehow. So, <laughs> but, yeah, but you but are, yeah. you are, you are that passionate though. I mean, yeah. you live and breathe this and you really love it. And I think that exactly same as you. once you um, realize that if you're fortunate enough to find whatever that thing is and, and be able to be in a position to make it happen, you know, you just, it's almost feels like you don't have a choice. Like you really almost couldn't live with yourself if you didn't find a way to do it. Yeah, and so I mean, true. I'm probably young and naive, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's sort of how it's felt felt to me no that's um, great yeah. and and well done for taking that massive plunge but you, it's all paying dividends now let's talk about your year because you've had some incredible success this year in terms of you know nominations for awards and and you're killing it you're one of the the best podcasters with men's health around australia and the world tell us more about it gosh that sounds like a good rap it, um, it is though it's telling the truth yeah so yeah. it was uh really honored to uh win silver for best well-being podcast at uh, the australian podcast awards which is a real thrill because i suppose you know you don't do it for the accolades and stuff um but it, it is it does play a role in sort of validating that what you're doing is is good quality and and is getting out there and, and helping people um so that was a real thrill to to win that when you're the one trying to push to get whatever your thing is out uh, and you don't have a whole team of people to to help you with it you've just got to stay on it and understand that this stuff like anything worth having just doesn't happen overnight and i think uh to take podcasting for example people like to talk about monetizing or whatever really early on or or how you're going to make money off it and i think if you have that attitude you're never going to make it because the sheer amount of work that it takes um to put these episodes together from the preparation to recording them to then editing them and, and pushing them out there uh could become like a, a full-time job and if you don't do it for the right reasons, like anything, you don't really love it, you're just not going to go the distance and you're not going to stay in the game long enough for it to go anywhere. I think you have to be prepared to sort of wait three three to five years to see if what you're doing is any good. But yeah, getting the, the nominations and the awards was cool because um, 
it's sort of evidence that yeah, it's not just your mum saying that it's good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well said. Everywhere, just everyone knows about cow and, and your story. Um, tell us all about it for those people that haven't heard of it before. Oh, that's very kind of you. Um, yeah, so Young Blood is basically just about opening up conversations uh, around young men's mental health. Um, so pretty much the show is is me speaking to young men sort of under that 35, you might not quite make the bracket, <laughs> um, from uh, around Australia uh, who've just been through various walks of life um, and gone on all kinds of different journeys. Uh, and the point is basically to redefine um, what it is to be a man in the modern day and, and what it is to um, uh, have that masculinity about yourself uh, and actually change things from from men don't talk you know men don't show their emotions we we all keep it inside and, and close ourselves down to um actually it's cool to open up uh with each other and be honest and that if we do that we actually become much more uh, effective partners brothers sons friends uh, uh fathers and that's really what it's all about is is showing other blokes that yeah there's so many people out there just like you going through similar stuff and you've got no reason to feel ashamed because you're not alone. So, yeah, that's really what it's all about. And it started, um, started uh, end of last year, um, so September 2019, um, and that was motivated by losing a, a mate to suicide earlier in, the, in that year and uh, really feeling firsthand the impact of, of what that does to a community uh, around somebody uh, and, and going through that that pain myself um and then really understanding that there's just so many people going through something very similar and just about all of us will be touched by uh, suicide and, and certainly mental ill health at, at some point in our life so um as a as a storyteller by trade i sort of started to think about what i could do with my skills to um spark more of those conversations and, and have more of those chats because it was it was clear to me that um my friend felt like he couldn't fully open up. He couldn't share with me and others how he was really feeling. Uh, and by isolating himself and and not feeling like he could uh, share the, the load, that sort of led to disaster. So it's all about um, having that platform for men to feel comfortable, uh, to try and start to change this, um, this idea that, that we, we can't open up and, and be real with each other. Yeah, and it's so important, especially in this uh, COVID world we live in this year as well, Cal. And, and obviously condolences about your friend. Uh, it's a terrible situation, but it's great that you're doing such good things now um, in his honour. Did you ever sort of notice certain things that he was doing to make you feel as though he was suicidal and that he had mental health issues? No, um, obviously hindsight is a, is a hell of a thing and, and that's what happens with these sorts of tragic situations is People can drive themselves crazy going back over and over in their minds what they should have said or what they could have done or what they didn't notice. Um, with my friend, I did notice that uh, he was struggling, um, but never to the extent that uh, he would have done what, what he did, um, nowhere near. So that, I think that's the scariest thing about suicide um, and, and mental health um, issues is that People are so good at hiding it uh, and it so often can be someone who seems like they've got it all sorted out on paper. You know, it's not the the typical, oh, here's an, an, a no-hoper who's 
uh, got no chance in life and, and is given up. It can be the person who's got a got a great job, got an amazing attitude, got great uh, family and friends, and yet on the inside they can be just hiding this sort of monster um, and be so good at, at making sure no one else sees that. So I think that's why it's so crucial that we check in on every single one of our, our mates and people that we love in our life. It doesn't matter how good you think they're doing or what it looks like on social media. Um, everyone, everyone is on that continuum of mental health and we all need to make sure that we're checking in and looking after ourselves and each other all the time. Absolutely well said. And obviously this year with the COVID situation, we're seeing people having such terrible times with their mental health and people losing their jobs left, right and centre. Um, you know, it's just, and obviously people not being able to see their families. So it's the worst situation of, of you know, we've seen in a long time. Yeah. What sort of advice do you have for people, Cal, that are going through some tough times and doing it, you know, tough with their, whether it be losing jobs or whether it be, you know, not being able to see friends and family and that sort of thing? Yeah, I guess people are going through such a broad spectrum of challenges this year um, and going through the whole COVID situation isn't the same from one person to to the next. So I guess um, subjectively, it's pretty hard to give advice necessarily, but uh, what I would say and what I do think is really important um, and that something that we can all contribute to is just kindness. I think we can all be a bit kinder to each other um, and I hope that that's something that comes out of this, that we start to um, treat our, our fellow man with a bit more kindness and, and um, just have compassion for what we're all going through and understanding that you never know what someone else's situation is. And I think um, that COVID's really brought that to um, uh, or highlighted that because people know that everyone's going through something, everyone's struggling. And I think that that means we need to be able to really support each other and, and have more compassion and, and um, yeah, not not let our, ourselves get get in the way and, and thinking we're the only ones who are, who are important and, you know, shoving people out of the way to get your Christmas shopping and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think kindness is, is a big one that we can all practice. Um, and then I think for me, just keeping yourself mentally, physically healthy, um, doing the right things, making sure that you are connecting with people, reaching out, having those conversations um, because, yeah, that that sense of community and connection and feeling like you're not alone is just like so pivotal for all of us and so don't care who you are. We all have to make sure that we're maintaining those relationships. So I think that's you have to put the effort into it yourself and then you, you have to get it, get it back as well. So, um, yeah, I would overall though, kindness for others and, and kindness for yourself yeah it's, it's an interesting one the kindness thing because um happy, happy to admit how i had a pretty tough time in high school and obviously i've turned my life around now and it's a positive situation but mm. um you know i just feel for people now that are going through tough times at school um you know and then you've got cyberbullying as well to go with it i just can't imagine how difficult it must be for those sort of people in high school that are, are dealing with those double doses, like yeah. Yeah, it was bad enough having to deal with bullying in high school, you know, skinny little kids, squeaky voice. Um, it was so difficult, but I had a, fa a supportive family, but there's other people out there that don't have that same kind of thing. And, and thankfully I didn't have to have worry about social media, but mm. like they're, they're going through tough Can't times get away at school. From it. Can't get away from it. Exactly. Yeah. They're going home. Then they're having to deal with it on social media. You've got all these trolls and these other idiots as well. It's just, so yeah, what sort of advice do you sort of give for those sort well, of people? There's just heaps for young people to navigate these days. Um, and I think, yeah, we've got to have 
sympathy for this world that they're being brought up in. And I was fortunate enough to have pretty much got through my teenage years before social media really became like a, a mainstay um, in society. I was sort of getting towards year 11, 12 when people sort of had Facebook, um, but it wasn't like you're, you're nine years old and you got Snapchat and uh, you're on Instagram worried <laughs> about how you look as, a, as an 11-year-old girl or boy. Um, so, yeah, young people these days are just for the first time um, in human history facing um, something so unprecedented uh, in that regard. Um, I do do some work with schools, with uh, middle school boys, just about um, healthy relationships and, and what they're doing online and masculinity and those sorts of things. Um, I think although technology's changed a lot in terms of the pressure on young people and the fact that they just don't get a, a break from it, the things that they need and, and we all need are, are still the same, which is that sense of belonging and uh, friendship and um, they can still they can still get that, but it's just difficult sometimes to get get away from it and get a break. So I think just closing down, getting off getting off it when you can is is important. It's okay to to be honest about how you feel with your yeah, feelings, and if you're getting picked on, you know, talk to your friends, talk to your family, say this is not right. So that's what it's all about, isn't it? Especially well, that's in it. Yeah, and we want to get to. Um, well, I focus on young men in particular, but I suppose young people as, as a whole, we want to get to them at an early age um, and try to um, ingrain in them that, yeah, you should be speaking about how you're really feeling and sharing that and not being ashamed of that, um, you know, as soon as you're starting out in your young life and adopt that as a habit as you go into later uh, adult life. Because really we're talking about preventative health strategies um, and at the moment we see a lot of uh, funding and and effort at the other end of the scale, um, you know, in the clinical side of things, but uh, that preventative health—if we can get better at educating our young people from a really young age uh, and making them feel comfortable with themselves, and really putting a huge amount of uh, resources and, and effort into changing that mindset and mentality from a young age—then we're going to avoid a lot of problems further down the line. Um, so yeah, those getting to kids when they're in their early teenage years is, is crucial to to setting them up to have healthy lives. That's why it's so important with what you're doing with school. So keep up the great work with that. Yeah. And and there's been some amazing guests in the last couple of years, Cal, but yeah. um, perhaps tell us a few of your most inspirational guests and why. Yeah, so I think um, it's one thing to have people with profile on who are sort of might have some sort of celebrity status and they can have great stories to tell as well. Uh, but a big focus for young blood uh, that I've found is just that there's so many you'd call them average Joes in our in our community with unbelievable stories to tell that that need to be told and that's really what young blood is as a platform is is telling those stories that wouldn't get light of day a lot of times otherwise and the power of having just you know a bloke just like yourself um, talk about what they've been through and and make you really feel that and 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 hear where they're coming from and, and see uh the similarities in yourself is that you know it's not some celebrity that lives this whole other life to you it's just another guy and and here he is telling it like it is and and being real and i think that that really inspires people to engage with their own health and, and plants the seed in their mind that they need to perhaps uh look at where they're at and, and certainly not feel um ashamed at all so i really love telling those those stories of just uh, yeah, a average everyday blokes who've done incredible things. 
Um, and look, some of them have been uh, people who've been to been to war, uh, CFS firefighters, um, uh, and then just people who've who've overcome uh, and continue to overcome uh, their their bone battles with with depression and and uh, having had a, a history of suicidality. Uh, had a uh, amazing uh, African refugee on the show who had been through more at the age of twenty one than most would be in you know a few a few lifetimes uh so yeah it, it, it constantly just have jaw dropping moments hearing men really open up and talk about where they what they've been through and what they've seen and and who they really are and i think you can hear the the authenticity in, in those conversations and i'm constantly inspired by those people and i think that's that's a huge part of why I love doing it because, um, yeah, it, it just makes you realize sort of how, how fortunate you are and how, how precious life is and what opportunities you have and, and just sort of how, um, how inspiring plenty of people are in your, in your close circle and, and out from there. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to nail down to any sort of, any sort of one episode um no you've answered you've answered yeah. it well i think it's it is very hard and it's, same as people ask me as well you know what's been some of my favorite interviews and it's very hard because yeah. so many inspirational people out there and a, a bit like yours i just love hearing people's stories and everyone has a story to tell and and like you mentioned someone who's not necessarily a celebrity almost has a better story because of what they've been through and yeah. um, things they've overcome and stuff like that so yeah. yeah it's wonderful and what's 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 in mind for 2021 what's uh you know what do you want to do in 2021 care yeah, so I run my own business now, which is Young Blood Media. So the podcast is part of that, and then also do some filmmaking. So we make um, short films uh, with Roy's the, the cameraman, the <laughs> podcast producer. So really making use of him. Uh, so do that, and then and then working at at Samri as well. But I suppose uh, with the podcast, it's the same as you. So you always just want to grow it. You always want uh, more people to to hear the message of it. Um, you know, not because you want to be the biggest things since since ben her but just because uh you believe in in what you're putting out and i believe in, in this message and that now's the time that we have to have these voices out there and we have to come together people who have these kinds of platforms and to really turn the tide and and make that generational change where you know our sons are and their and their sons and uh, daughters are being brought up in a world where it's fine for young people to express themselves and it's wholly encouraged um and i think we will we will get there and we are getting there, but it's not something that happens overnight at all. And we really have to work at it. And I think for me, uh, there's there's no greater cause that I'd like to contribute to than that because I just, it truly has meaning to me. And I think that's all you can ask uh, as someone who's a, a content creator or anyone working is to is to do some work that you believe in. And I guess that's been the, the big change for me. Um, so yeah, in 2021, keep, doing what I've done so far that's got it to this point, which is, you know, keep it simple. Just keep making, just keep making content. Just keep putting out stories, keep meeting people, um, keep making connections uh, and yeah, keep, keep having those conversations and, and keep talking. Uh, I think it, it's one thing to have like lofty goals or, or look too far off into the distance, but that can maybe overcomplicate things. Uh, and sometimes you just got to put one foot in front of the other and, and look at, what you did to get to where you are and, and yeah, keep it simple. Just, just do the next, just do the next episode and, <laughs> you know, shake the next hand and, and, um, 
yeah, hopefully help help whoever the next person is and the rest of it will sort of take care of itself. Yeah, it's wonderful what you're doing. And then for those people out there that are listening today or, or watching Indeed Care, how can they follow your podcast, Young Blood? Yep. So Young Blood Men's Health Matters on uh, Facebook. We, we post all our episodes on there. Uh, and also youngbloodmedia.com.au is our website. Got YouTube, uh, Young Blood Media, and then uh, Instagram, Young Blood Men's Health Matters, uh, if you can follow on, on those platforms. Um, and yeah, put episodes out sort of every 10 days or so. Uh, and try to speak to just the widest variety of, of people as possible so that there's something for everyone. Because I think that's also key when we're talking about men's health and mental health in our society. It's got to involve uh, every every aspect of it. Uh, we're all we're all in this together. Um, so try to make sure that there, there's something for everyone so that we understand that, yeah, we're not alone. I think there should be an old blood media as well for old parts yeah. like myself, well, <laughs> like you're forty to sixty year yeah, old. So. Yeah, well, I think there's probably there's probably a market for that as well. But I'm not I'm not old or, or wise enough for yet yet to uh, be able to satisfy that market. So I'll leave that I'll leave that to you. <laughs> no, all jokes aside, thank you so much. Um, love all your work, Callum, and and uh, you know it's been really interesting hearing and seeing your journey so far these couple last couple of years. And thanks for everything you've been doing to help me out as well with my podcast, Legends of Bebo. And look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, thanks, Bebo. It's it's a real honour to to come on and and be interviewed. It's it's funny being interviewed when you when you usually <laughs> the, the interviewer. Uh, but yeah, it's really humbling that you're, you're interested to chat to me and, and hats off to you for your persistence and, and not giving up with, with this because um, yeah, it takes a lot of guts to keep it going but I'm sure that you will because you got that twinkle in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're definitely a legend in my eye, mate. So thanks, thanks, thanks again. Sounds so good.